Well, greetings, everybody. This is Laurie Handlers, and I'm your host on Tantra Cafe, a program for spiritual enlightenment. And I come to you in peace. Om Shanti. Om Shanti Shanti. Well, there's a lot of stuff these days being taught in the name of Tantra. It's, people are really clueless about what the real depths of Tantra are and the real goals of Tantra. And also, I've got to say that there are people out there. There's a yoga studio on every corner now. There are, it's, there are people taking yoga. There are people learning spiritual practices and techniques. Basically because it's a, the newest fad, the in thing. And you can find a yoga studio like you can find Starbucks. Often there are more than one yoga studio on the same block, especially in New York City but many other places in the country as well. And the thing is that people go into these things as fads. People are teaching Tantra and finding out about Tantra also because it's a fad rather than finding out about the depth of it. And people are shallow, so they don't really evaluate where their own starting place is and what it is that they need to know to uncover what it is that they should uncover about themselves. So today we're going to be talking about what Tantra really is. We're going to be talking about the secret meaning of Vigyan Bhairav Tantra. My guest today is Dr. Michael Dean Goodman. Michael is an internationally recognized spiritual guide, Tantra teacher, relationship counselor, educator, and author. He holds a Ph.D. in psychology. He's the director of both PARA, the Center for Realization, and the Relationship Institute in Boca Raton, Florida. And he's the co-director of the Prem Yoga Center in West Palm Beach, Florida. Michael began awakening to his spiritual path when he was in high school in 1965 and has lived all his adult life learning, practicing, and teaching a spiritual path including Raja Yoga, Meditation, Tantra, Vendata, and Ayurveda. Michael has spent years of devotion studying in the ashram under one of the world's greatest Vedic Tantric masters, His Holiness, the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. Michael got initiated by Maharishi Mahesh, and Maharishi guided him, awakened him, and eventually sent him out to share his profound knowledge. So, Michael, it is my great privilege to have you on the show today. Well, Laurie, it's always a great pleasure to talk with you. You're such an inspiration in the Tantra field. It's fun. Thanks. Thank you so much. So, we got a lot to cover today because people do not even know what they're getting into, for the most part, when they're getting into Tantra or when they're getting into yoga, which are related. Ridiculously enough, people think they're not. So we're but today we're talking about the secrets of Vigyan Bhairav Tantra. And what is that? Because I know that's the real deal, but how would anyone else know? What is it? Yeah, there's an ancient tradition. But, uh, yoga and Tantra are kind of two sides of the one coin, really, in the ancient tradition. It, it's like if somebody was going to get on the road and drive from where I am in Florida out to California... It'd be a fool not to have some kind of atlas or roadmap. And yet a lot of people just start picking up spiritual practices, and it's a path. And they don't really have the roadmap. And the roadmap is, in the ancient tradition, first you studied 
yoga, you went inward and found out who you really are deep within. You, you unfolded all that 90 or 95% potential that none of us really tap into. And you got awakened in consciousness. And then the next step was to go out and explore the world, the other half of life, the glory of the world, the energy, the flows, the, the sensuality of it, the, and that's where Tantra came in. And there's a whole... Just like there's yogic literature, there's tantric literature. There's ancient cognitions by very enlightened people that tell us just how to do it. And this is one of the most respected. The Vigyan Bhairav Tantra is one of the tantras, and it's one of the core key ones. It's not one of the ones that people argue about, was it written in modern or semi-modern times. This is really ancient, and it's just absolutely cool. In this one book, it lays out the whole thing. In one book what? lays out the whole roadmap of Tantra. Wow. So so, th- so, when you say one of the Tantras, let's just go really to the basic. When you say mm-hmm. it's one of the Tantras, that means one of the writings, like a scripture. Right. Yeah. When, when everybody's going uh, for spirituality, what they're really looking for is wholeness. You know, the word wholeness and holiness, and they all come from the same root. And everybody, that's what we're looking for, to be integrated in the whole and put all of our life all together into one big, unified, wonderful connection and stop feeling all separate. Wholeness is great. When wholeness starts to break, what happens? It makes pairs of opposites, we, like yin and yang. In the, in the tantric tradition, it's often called Shiva and Shakti, or masculine and feminine energies. And the tantras are generally conversations between Shiva and Shakti, the embodiment of the yin and yang half of life. This is what Tantra is about, exploring the world of opposites. This whole enormous world that we live in is made up. Think of it. Everything is pairs of opposites. And so it's always a conversation between Shiva and Shakti. And the great thing is it's very egalitarian. Half the time, Shiva acts as the teacher and Shakti pretends to be the student and says, Oh, Shiva, for the goodness of the world, uh, enlighten us, teach us. And the other half of the time, she will go, oh, great goddess, and she will teach. This happens to be one where Shiva is doing the teaching talking and Shakti is acting like the student, but they just switch roles in the various different tantric books. Well, let me, let's just, uh, let me say something to you about that for just a second. I love knowing that Shiva and Shakti interact like this. And I want to just say it again because it's funny when we say Shiva and Shakti, then we say yin and yang, that's actually the opposite. So it's, yeah, we should say yang and yin, but that sounds right. Weird. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Right, the masculine is right. yang, and that's shiva, and the that's feminine right. is yin. That's the receptive, and that's shakti. I want to just make sure people understand that as they listen, because very often we say it like shiva shakti, and then yeah. we say yin yang, and that it's really yang yin, yang yin. Or or we could say shakti shiva. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so they so this is a conversation. Shakti just sits down and says to Shiva, "Tell us the truth for the whole good of the world. Just lay it out. Tell us what what's the story. What's the truth of, of spiritual path? What's the roadmap? Lay it out." And he's really cool. It's just so fulfilling. He says there are a hundred and twelve ways that you can go from any position of life, any experience and get to that wholeness. And he says, it's very simple, Shakti. He says, look at the world. It's made up of three dimensions, right? We, we have three dimensions of space. Left to right, 
front to back, top to bottom. And he said, left to right. Everybody knows this already. It's very popular in our culture. We have left and right hemispheres of our brain. There are a huge body of literature. You can go into bookstores and find all kinds of books about two halves of the brain and that one is the more linear, masculine, logical side and one is the more feminine, holistic, gestalt, artistic side. And I think it's pretty common knowledge in our culture. So that's it, the left-right dimension. It used to be, uh, when I first started teaching spiritual classes, I taught a course called Body, Mind, and Spirit for Women. And right about then was when, I think was Robert Ornstein. He was the yeah. scientist who was telling us about the hemispheres of the brain then. That was probably in the... It's become pretty well accepted that we have two different sides to ourselves. And we have to be real careful when we're talking masculine, feminine people. I, I've given hundreds and hundreds of workshops and talks on this, and it's such a common misunderstanding. Somebody always gets very agitated and says, you're talking about men and women. I said, no, don't mistake masculine, feminine for men and women. Every one of us has both. Obviously, we have our masculine side, we have our feminine side. Some people, masculine is way more predominant. Some feminine more. Some people have a good balance. Some are weak in both. But every one of us has both. If we had only one or the other, it, it would be a very bizarre imbalance. So everyone has both sides, but the sides of the brain actually cross. So if our if if we're on our feminine side, if we're actually accessing our feminine energy, that's really the right side of the brain. For most people, that's right. The left side of the brain goes with the right side of the body, and that tends to be the more, what we say, dominant, active, push-out-into-the-world masculine energy side, and that crosses over to the left side of the brain. And then the right side of the brain tends to go with our more receptive side, the left side of the body. Okay, good. And that would be like the feminine aspect, but not the female aspect. That's right. That's it would the, be that's the feminine. The now, Probably the odds are if, if you were born into a female body in this life, down at your core, if you could eliminate all the cultural conditioning and all the fears and layers of junk we put on top, and, if you, and it's a very powerful technique to go really look deep within you and discover what's your core nature, someone in a woman's body might find that she has more predominance of feminine energy. Not everyone, but a pretty high percentage in general. And same thing, as a generality, a big, vague generality, if you're born in a man's body, the odds are if you could go down to your core, you would find that there's more masculine energy down there. But like right. I say, I, in my I'm a, a counselor, I'm a musician, I have a lot of things where I have very developed feminine energy as well. I'd be a terrible counselor if I was just masculine. I'd be like a bull in a china closet. I wouldn't be very compassionate, I wouldn't listen. I just go kind of linear to get the job done. Right. And you're so not you're very balanced, feminine. Michael. I can tell I can say for a fact you're a really balanced person in a male body. <laughs> so. In a relationship, if I really relax back into my nature, which is very healthy for everyone to do at least a few minutes every day, and get out of all those roles and those layers on top my nature would be to be fairly masculine in a relationship and find someone who manifested fairly feminine energy, and then we'd have nice energy flow between us. Yeah. doesn't mean that I can't be very feminine in other parts of my day and so on, but that's probably my real 
core in nature. And it took me a lot of work and a long time to discover that because uh, my parents didn't want me to see that society. That's an educational process that people can go through to really discover what are they down deep at their core. Right. Well, we're going to make a short pause here for a moment and and take a break. And when we come back, we're going to get right back into this. So if you just tuned in and you're, you're listening to Tantra Cafe, a program for spiritual enlightenment, my guest today is Dr. Michael Dean Goodman, and he is a workshop leader, a yogi, a meditation teacher, a relationship counselor. He has a Ph.D. in psychology. And he runs two institutes and co-runs a third in the Boca Raton, West Palm Beach areas of Florida. And we were just talking about a conversation between Shiva and Shakti about the 112 tantric practices that cover every imaginable situation in life. We started with left to right. So we'll be right back and we'll pick up on that and find out about these other dimensions. If you're wondering what book you should read to jumpstart your sex life and increase your happiness, try my book, Sex and Happiness, The Tantric Laws of Intimacy. This short, easy-to-read book will make you laugh at yourself and possibly even make you cry as you discover my tantric secrets for happiness and how they apply to you. In the book, I begin with the tenth law, Make Love in the Unknown. Then I work you all the way back through laws one through nine, to teach you how to be in the unknown, fresh, every moment of every day. Sex and happiness puts the innocence and love back into sex and gives Tantra the respect it deserves. Sex and happiness is only $19.99 in paperback and $14.99 in ebook. To order Sex and Happiness, simply go to sexandhappiness.com. That's sexandhappiness.com to get your copy of Sex and Happiness, The Tantric Laws of Intimacy, by me, Laurie Handlers. Now we're back with my guest, Dr. Michael Dean Goodman, and we are discussing one of the oldest pieces of writing about Tantra. It's called the Vigyan Bhairav Tantra, one of the scriptures about Tantra. And we just were talking about left and right the feminine-masculine, masculine-feminine polarity play that's, that keeps life interesting and makes us, gives us the powers of creation. So, Michael, we're back, and um, what's next? Well, there, so we all know we live in a three-dimensional world. Now, we've covered the left-right dimension. Let's look at the front-back dimension, then we'll look at the top-bottom it's so fascinating. The intellect loves this. When we see how this all fits together, it's just like an incredible roadmap for this whole tantric practice. So what does Shiva say to Shakti? He says there's also the front-back dimension. Now, we all know this intuitively. You see people who are very focused out front. They almost lean posturally forward. They're really wanting to connect. Sometimes it can be overly, almost like in your face. But we know that front means come out into the world, really connect with things. We also know people who are very drawn back. We we sense they're very withdrawn. They're, we say to them, you're, you're not here. And even physically, sometimes they pull themselves back. So there's this dimension of connecting with the world versus withdrawing back into ourself. In the ancient tradition, they called this the eightfold nature of property or the, the eight layers of nature. 
way back deep inside myself is ego. And then ego manifest comes out a little further into intellect, and intellect comes out into mind, and mind comes out into the five senses, and pretty soon now you're connected in the sensory world. If you add those up, ego, intellect, mind, and the five senses, there's kind of eight layers to this. And you mean like eight layers, like an onion skin? Yeah, like yeah, peeling yeah, back these layers? From, from deep within, we all know that we can go very deep within, very subjective, very private. That's ego. That's my sense of Michaelness. Who am I? And then there's okay. intellect that kind of decides things and mind that receives the senses and their layers. From gross, from kind of out in the world to deep within. It's not so important that we know about all the layers. The main thing is just to get a sense of this kind of inner, outer tug of war that everyone goes through. You want intimacy, that's connecting out, and you want space and privacy and independence, that's pulling in. It's a huge, major emotional issue of life. Of I know in my counseling work, this is one of the, all three of these actually correlate to the three very deepest kind of families of emotional issues that we all deal with. Um, so, so this is about balance. This seems like a a question of balance. Like, how do I balance how much privacy I need with how much I want to connect with you? That's right. Now, a healthy person on any of these scales, left to right or front to back or top to bottom, real healthiness in my view, and I think it was stated in the ancient tantric literature, would be you'd have no blocks. You could position yourself anywhere, wherever it's appropriate. You could easily swing back and forth. You could be engaged in deep intimacy for an hour, and then you could say, okay, now I want to take some space. You would swing in the rhythm of that. If the if you were at a situation where it demanded connection and intimacy and being out there, you'd be out there. If you were in a situation that required, that was more appropriate to be more inward and more deeply settled, you can enjoy that part of life. None of them would scare you. None of them would be difficult for you to do. You would manifest whatever felt appropriate in the setting you were in. Well, Unfortunately, this is the, that's not the case for most people. If you think about it, two of the very most profound fears that people have are the fear of engulfment and the fear of abandonment. And if you think of it, engulfment is that if you grew up with in a family of origin where people were too much in your face, too controlling of you, uh, to the extreme of even maybe abusing you, then you'll have a huge issue about being out, you'll be a withdrawn person. You don't want to be out there. It's too invasive. It's, it threatens your existence. Other people, in their growing up, are too abandoned, too left alone, uh, and their issue will be always wanting to connect. They don't like being alone or abandoned. So almost everybody I meet, myself included, I had to heal some issues about this. And to get yourself where you can really travel across the whole spectrum of it, you have to do some healing work on your issues of either engulfment or abandonment. You know, I feel that I've had both. I really feel that I've yeah. had both. It's funny. and um, Some people do. They might have yeah, I, yeah, I feel, I feel both. Abandoned. But I also, it's funny, last week, just last week, I think I wrote, it could have been this week, I wrote on Facebook that I don't want any more secrets. Not only do I not want any more secrets, with myself, you know, that I'm holding, I'm not telling anyone, but I don't want any secrets. I don't want you to tell me any secrets because when I have a secret, that's all I can focus on. <laughs> and you're isolated. You're, you're not in connection then. You're, you're creating a boundary, a separation. 
I don't want it. I want to be clear like water. I want to be able to be right. seen through. I want to be what you see is what you get. This is my, you know, my personal. And, you know, I, I also know that in listening, I, you know, I teach boundaries in my classes. You and I have discussed boundaries many times. And in reading Osho, I come to find out that Osho says that true Tantra, you say yes to everything. And I found that people can't say yes to everything until they have a very strong internalized no that they feel will be respected. So I share this ancient teaching. It would be, I, I was just listening carefully to what you're saying and feeling into it. That's why in the ancient teaching they said first to do some amount of yoga. I'm not talking about just hatha yoga, physical posture. Yoga in its biggest sense, which included meditation and pranayama, all these practices to go within and figure out to find your core, to find that infinite source that's within us that's enormous and unbounded. Because if you can get some establishment in that, then you can say yes to everything out here because you can't be knocked about, you can't be overshadowed. But if you don't right. have much contact with that depth, then it's really hard to say yes to everything because things overshadow you and overwhelm you. Right, right. Well, I said all that to say, I'm so glad you you explained that because all that to say, I was saying it to you because I must be getting closer to the place where Osho talked about because yes. I want I don't want any more secrets. I want everything right. known. And that no feels to me like just, yes. giving up boundaries, like not needing them the way I did need them before. So it's, it uh, I'm just, growing, you know, I'm yeah, missing myself deeper. here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, so there's this, one more dimension. We could, yeah, do you want me to move on and talk about the last dimension, and then we can kind of chat about how these all work together? Yeah, I think it would be great. I want to do that, um, definitely, definitely. So okay. tell, the last dimension is up-down or down-up up, or top-bottom. Yeah, right. And this is very simple. There are seven layers to this one. There are the seven chakras that people always talk about in spirituality. You know, these energy centers, even if people don't know what chakras are, we, even in our culture we do know. We, we know that our heart is where we get hurt and we have feelings. We know our stomach, our navel and solar plexus area is where our power comes from. You know, you say somebody has no guts or they're, they're weak down there. We know where sexuality comes from. We know that kind of pose of the thinker, the guy who's sitting with his hand on his forehead thinking. That's because that's the center where all the deep insight and intuition and deep deep knowledge comes from. So we intuitively already know, or our throat, that's what, you know, we say, my throat is all closed up, I can't get my my speech out. We, we already, even in our culture, understand that there are different energy centers in the body. It's the same life energy flowing up out of the earth through us like we're a tube and out the top of our head. In fact, often when they picture Shiva, who is the author of this mantra, you show him with this kind of river running out the top of this head or this fountain. That's life energy pouring through us. And depending which of these seven areas we're putting our attention on, it takes on a different flavor. And so this dimension is all about from the down direction, which is like very earthy. We know people are like this. They're solid. They're grounded. They're earthy. Think of like sumo wrestlers or martial artists or dancers who are they're really connected to the earth. And then we have people we all know in our lives on the other hand who are very spacey and airy. They're up there. They can be very creative, but we say, oh, 
Their feet aren't on the ground. They're space cadets. At the worst, at the best, they're super creative, very uh, mentally creative people. And so that's another huge dimension of life that many people struggle with. It's a big issue. Am I grounded? Am I spacey? Where do I, can I flow back and forth between those? So that's the third dimension. Well, you know, I heard that, uh, just, and you just reminded me that about that Albert, uh, Albert Einstein couldn't even remember to tie his shoelaces, <laughs> but he was this brilliant, <laughs> this brilliant thinker. So, yes. yeah, those well, two polarities. Those are polarities. Very mental, he was very mental, and maybe he, we think of what mathematicians and physicists and stuff as kind of being the absent-minded professor's type. Right, that exactly. That would be very upward, exactly. very spacey, but not too grounded, not too earthy. Right. So, okay, so now we here, have here. from earth to heaven and everything in between, right. uh, which represent the seven energy centers in the body. And, and it's uh, very physical. This is the physical of the three dimensions. They each have a flavor. This is the very physical one, that back-to-front one, if you felt that. That was a very mental, emotional kind of dimension. And that first one, the left-right, masculine-feminine, that's very spiritual. That's when wholeness is just first breaking into a pair of opposites. So we have spirit and mind-body. Uh, I'm sorry, mind-heart mind, and body in these three dimensions. It's, it's quite amazing. It covers the whole range of life. And this is a hunt, but does this add up to 112? Because before, now, if you the beginning of the show, you the were talking right. about 112. So let's look at where that comes from. We said left-right, masculine-feminine, that's two. That's the left-right dimension. The front to back have those eight layers, and the up-down have seven. And if you multiply two times eight times seven, you come up with 112. And this is very interesting. At any moment of life, at every moment of life, you're in one of those 112 situations. Like right now, I'm being much more in my masculine than feminine. That's on the left-right dimension. I'm being, you know, logical and talking and everything. On the back-to-front dimension, I'm pretty much out in my mind and being very mental. I'm talking. And in the up-down dimension, I'm probably quite a bit in my throat chakra. There's a lot of talking going on. So at this particular moment, now that could change five minutes from now or a minute from now. But right sure. now, if I look right now... That would be the one of the 112 possible permutations. And then Shiva says, okay, if that's where you're sitting, then do this practice. And you can read the list of them. He says, uh, put your attention. Uh, I don't know what the one that goes with that particular situation, but there are many. They're very simple little things. It might be just put your attention on the space between me and an out-breath or just take a sound and transcend down on it. Every technique that any one of our listeners has heard of in any yogic teaching or any tantric teaching, if they read this, they'll go, oh, my God, they're all here. This is the catalog of all the simple techniques that can take you from wherever you are and wherever you're stuck to your unbounded hugeness. Beautiful. We're going to take a break with that. That is so phenomenal. I want to actually reinforce that again when we come back from Right, so if you just tuned in, this is Lori Handlers. You're listening to Tantra Cafe, which is a program for spiritual enlightenment. My guest today is Dr. Michael Dean Goodman, who is explaining to us the basic core facts, the basic understanding of what it is underneath what people are talking about when they say they're studying Tantra. We're, we are discussing the Vigyan Bhairav Tantra. 
and we'll be right back. If you're listening to Tantra Cafe, congratulations. You've reached a higher plane of consciousness in caring for yourself and caring for your significant other. Tantra can help with physical and emotional bonding to nurture your relationship. And there's another level of care that you should be considering as well. It's your family's financial well-being. I rely on DeLone Financial Services to guide me on this journey. And Jeff DeLone is my friend. He and I have worked together for years. He even helps care for my father's finances. For information about your family's financial planning, contact Jeff DeLone at 610-356-1253. That's 610-356-1253. Or you can email Jeff at jdelone at delonefinancialgroup.com. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through FSC Securities Corporation. Member FINRA SIPC. Jeff DeLone is a registered representative with FSC Securities Corporation. DeLone Financial Group is not. Well, we're back from break, and I'm so thrilled to be here with my guest today, Dr. Michael Dean Goodman, who is an amazing teacher. He's taught thousands of people all over the world, conducted hundreds of sharing sessions called satsangs, where people really get into the discovery of their true nature. And today we're discussing the real nature of Tantra when people are studying Tantra, like finding out what it really is, because there's so many misconceptions out there about what Tantra is. People think it's kink, and it's anything but that, it, it, at least how it was originated. So we're discussing a scripture where Shiva and Shakti, God and Goddess, really tell the whole story of Tantra in one package. So, Michael, we left off with this 112, and you described perfectly your situation right now. You're kind of, you're more in your masculine in terms of left to right. You're more in your mental, which is, I don't know, I guess, is it your mental back front? It's it's in the middle. It's in the middle, okay. Yeah, it's in the middle. Of the back front dimension. And then we were talking about the up-down, and you're, you're in your throat center, which is talking and sharing a lot, but also you're pretty much in your power, too. When you talk about this... Yeah, stuff, the, the, others, the others are all there. If you're in one, it doesn't mean that the others are all dormant. We were just talking about which one might be a little bit more predominant right now. Right, right. So how does this work? I mean, how... How would this work for people wanting to, I mean, how do they get this out of studying Tantra? I know for a fact for me that I'm in, most of the time I'm in a state called the witness, and I learned that in Tantra, which means that I can actually witness myself, like right now I can witness myself interviewing you, and I can take note of the states that I'm in. I can take note of whether I'm breathing deeply or I'm not. I can take note of how much noise I'm making, how loud I am, or how soft I am. I can take note of what's happening in my stomach. Like, I noticed I had some butterflies in my stomach before we started. I always do. Before I start my show, I get a little nervous. Like, how's it going to (laughs) go? You know, what if I have to interrupt you? (laughs) 
so I noticed those things, uh, and I learned that in Tantra. So I'm actually able to notice these things that you're talking about, these these dimensions of, of space and life. How, how can other people use this, or how does it work? Well, what people need to, I mean, what they they were not recommending in the Vigyan Bhairav Tantra is that you go around and be kind of, Oh, what would you say, inward focused all day and, you know, analyzing now, which of the 112 am I in and what should I practice right now and, whoops, now it's changed. I mean, if you put your attention on this all day long, you would be almost incapacitated in life. How would you be able to be innocently focused on doing whatever you're supposed to be doing, doing your work, taking care of your family, your relationship? You'd be very narcissistic. So they're not saying that every moment... It's a cool intellectual structure. It's an interesting roadmap to see that this covers every possibility of life. But still, what's worth doing is to go to go to a knowledgeable teacher. And like when you teach workshops, I'm sure you teach people less than 112 techniques. You teach them some small number of powerful techniques that they can use at home to develop themselves. Now somebody might identify a particular problem. What if someone came to me? This happens all the time when I do I do counseling, but it's not so much psychological counseling anymore as it is helping people unclog these dimensions. We get constricted. We get stuck. We have old programming that, like I said, if somebody was, let's say they were abused as a kid, they have a hard time coming out in that front-back dimension. They're, they get scared. People are going to overshadow me, overwhelm me. Now, ideally, it's not so much which of these 112 techniques we practice as to understand these three dimensions and try to clean each one up, try to clear each one so that we can have powerful experiences anywhere on them. I would like to be able to be really feminine when that's appropriate, really masculine, and not just have the ability to swing from one end to the other, but even to do it very smoothly, not to have to go take a lot of time and work but just to be very flexible. I'd like to be able to be really out with somebody and then also be able to be in and back and forth and whatever it takes. I'd like to be airy and earthy and be able to play back and forth on that dimension. An ideal person, somebody who has studied Tantra and has really healed themselves, would find that all three of these dimensions are smooth and open and unconstricted. And the work somebody has to do is to just be honest with themselves and notice where it's hard for them. Now that they right. know what the three dimensions are, they might say, wow, uh, let's say it's a woman. She might say, I noticed that it's really hard for me to manifest any kind of mature masculine. I don't have uh, access to that. Or someone might say, I don't really have the ability to be too inward in that back front dimension. I, I, I really want connection and I'm scared of just being with myself. So the thing then is to work with someone there's lots of ways to work, workshops, counseling, books, personal work. I mean, there's a many, many different paths, but what someone would have to do is heal, remove those constrictions so that we have access to the whole range of life. Tantra is about coming out and exploring life. That witnessing consciousness you talked about, that's more in the realm of yoga traditionally. Yoga says go within and discover that inside you, your pure consciousness, you, you're a witness of all this activity. And once you're established in that infinite, unbounded inner consciousness, that witnessing quality, then you can come out and explore all this outer stuff. Nothing can overshadow you, like you said. So, uh, it 
It's not so much that people have to read about all 112 techniques and try to learn them all. That would be very challenging. No, but it's real. But what you're saying, I mean, it, a couple things. It encompasses all of life, which I always say, you know, the sexual part of Tantra is just a really small part of Tantra. Tantra is all-encompassing when you when you find out more. And even if we didn't know this, like even if I, I didn't know you and I never studied this particular scripture, Tantra has actually affected my life in all the ways that we're discussing. It's affected my life in left and right. It's As far as I'm concerned, it's balanced my brain and balanced my masculine and feminine hemisphere because I was a woman in a woman's body, you know, but I had my masculine more developed than my feminine. And Tantra gave me back the ability to be in my feminine, to be girlish, to be flirty, to be surrendered, to receive gifts, to receive acknowledgement, to receive from people and actually be comfortable with it rather than having to manage everything and control everything and, you know, be like a general, which I I was. (laughs) 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 I think when we met... Well, it's a hard thing. We live in a a world that is very prejudiced towards masculine. It's a little less so than it used to. I mean, I've been teaching for decades, and I see the whole reemergence of feminine, of goddess, of appreciation for the feminine side of love happening. But there's still a long ways to go. We live in a world that very much rewards masculine. And so if you're in a man's body and you have more likely a predominance of masculine, it makes it a little easier on you. But somebody in a woman's body whose core, deep within, their their private core has more feminine, have to go out and battle with the world in the masculine way and be, and then come home and try to make a shift into the feminine. It puts a special burden on feminine people. The world is not so supportive of that as it should be. It's true. Without I valuing mean, the value of goddess. I couldn't just slip into lace and lingerie and lose the general personality. Like the general was still in there, the drill sergeant, you know, somebody who wanted to have charge of everything. So I, I literally, putting on the outer trapping might have made me feel more feminine, but I, my personality couldn't adjust. Until Tantra, when I really learned that it was completely okay to lay back, relax, and receive. Or That's a great example of somebody who had, you, you've done a huge healing in that left-right dimension. You have opened up the feminine side of yourself. Not only is that great for your spiritual growth, but for your, even your health. I mean, if we, if we deny parts of ourselves, if we lock parts of ourselves away, then we're harming ourselves. It's very unhealthy. Yeah, I think you're right. So this is so now you're even getting into the health aspects. You know, I was going to say before earlier that I think when you and I met, I was definitely more into the my drill sergeant. I had just <laughs> I had just discovered, you know, I had just I was a few years on the tantric path and I had really discovered how to let go. And I, you know, I couldn't do it very well or very often and now I can just go, "Oh yeah, you take care, you handle it. You take charge." I don't even have to say it. I can just stop being in charge. You're, you can trust somebody else's masculine. You yes. can hire their masculine, so to speak. You can relax into your feminine and say, I'll do the feminine side for right now. You do the ma-. Now, nothing wrong with, with 
energizing, great masculine. You get a lot done. You're the drill sergeant and all. But I would say especially in more social situations and even more especially in relationship, it's much more fun if one person plays the masculine role somewhat and one person plays the feminine role, just like an electric outlet. You know, you've got the positive and negative side when you plug the plug into the wall. And that's what gives the juice to power everything. If both sides were equal, were exactly the same, there would be nothing. There would be no electricity. And the whole thing about Tantra is we want to see how big am I? How much life force can I conduct? How much, if we want to use the electric analogy, how much voltage? 110 volts? 1,000 volts? million volts? How much of that flow out of the earth up through us, up to heaven and back down and around again? And if you don't have strong polarity, it's kind of hard to get much of that flow going. Right. Now, you can have polarity inside. People can, we have masculine and feminine in us. It's a little more fun, and for the average person who's not a, like a recluse in a monastery or something, we're in relationships uh, with other right. people, or even with the world, with the tree, with the sky, with the earth. There it can be polarity, and so it's very fun to learn how to move up and down on that masculine-feminine scale. And if you and I were relating, I might say, why don't you take on more of the feminine? I'll take more of the masculine. Let's see how big we can make that. Let's see how much juice, how much flow we can get. Now, that yeah. doesn't have to be sexual. It can be just energy flow. It has a sexuality because it's polarity, but it doesn't literally mean it has to be sex. It can just right. be the flow of that huge energy. It can be flirtatious and energy flowing. Well, we're going to come back to this because I wanted to... I We're going to pause again for a moment, but I want to come back to this because I want to talk about it in both ways. Relating in relationship and the sexuality part of it because let's face it, now that we've disclaimed that not all of Tantra is sexual, people still want to know about that. So we'll, when we come and back... Sex is a great open doorway to explore great big energy. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's great. So we're going to come back on that note. We'll be right back if you just Tuned in, you're listening to Tantra Cafe, which is a program for spiritual enlightenment. I'm Laurie Handler, your host, and today I am talking to Dr. Michael Dean Goodman, a great friend of mine and a wonderful, wonderful teacher. Really knows his stuff, probably more than anyone else I know. Knows all the ancient underpinnings of Tantra. So we'll be right back. Please stay tuned. Many times on Tantra Cafe, you've heard my guests and me discuss emotional release techniques. Now you can do emotional release work in the privacy of your own home. In my CD, Shamanic Release and Laihan, I create a very, very safe and sacred space in which you can do the powerful work I'm known for in my Tantra courses. On the CD, I set you up with the proper positioning and breathing, and then I guide you through each emotional state to the beat of tribal African rhythms. Try the CD as an easy way to do your personal clearing on a regular basis and watch your relationships walk free from emotional baggage. You can order my CD at ButterflyWorkshops.com for only $20. Aren't you worth it? Go to www.ButterflyWorkshops.com and get your copy now and walk free from emotional baggage. 
Well, we're back at Contra Cafe. I'm Laurie Handlers, and my guest today is Michael Dean Goodman. And we're discussing the underpinnings, the intellectual writings, the one of the oldest tantras, which is a which is a I'm sorry, which is a scripture about tantra, where Shiva is discussing the different states that people live in, the di- dimensions of space and time. And now we get we're getting to the juicy part where we're talking about relationships. Which, if people don't have one, they want one. If they don't. If they're in one, they usually are not getting along in it. <laughs> There's a lot of crazy stuff going on in relationships these days. And people keep wanting them, but they don't do that well in them. So Michael is shedding some light on how to play the polarities to be able to have the juice, just like electricity, in the relationship. So, Michael, where we left off, that's where we were. Say more about that, will you? Well, I, you know, I was thinking that... In my counseling practice, when I work with individuals and couples, I would say a good 75% of the problems above relationship that people bring me boil down to any a lack of understanding of this whole masculine-feminine, yang, yin kind of... Or uh, Mars, Venus, there's that whole series of books that popularized this. Um, they're all saying similar things, that there's masculine and feminine... And that we live in a society that's told us to be very neutral, very in the middle, very not to be masculine and feminine. And yet everybody is. There's lots of that energy in relationship. Otherwise, there'd be no polarity. We'd just be good buddies and friends, but there'd be no sexual flow or flow of energy. So understanding about this masculine-feminine polarity thing is a great healing knowledge for relationships. It, unfortunately, no one taught us. Did your mother and father teach you about the really true masculine feminine? Did they teach you in school and the silly sex ed classes that we had? I mean, it's just never really taught. It's unfortunate. It's like uh, we have to discover on our own. It should be part. It should be part of family education and part of life for everyone growing up to understand this. But it's not. Listen, mine didn't teach me much of anything, so I, I, I don't know about yours. I mean, they taught me to be in reaction most of the time. Covering my ass, um, stifling myself because I my energy was too much. So, I mean, I can talk to you about what I learned from my parents, but um, I like what I learned by myself. And luckily, they gave me at least they gave me the uh, you know like really good genes <laughs> and uh, and curiosity I able- and permission to go be curious and explore this stuff and learn it. It's- Exactly, exactly. That I got. So, yeah, I don't. I didn't learn much about it. I mean, if, a lot of people. If I took my lessons from them, well, I think I became so much in my masculine polarity because that was rewarded by my father. You know what I knew, how smart I was, what I could accomplish physically, like you know, swimming, skiing, those things, and also how smart I was in school. That's what was rewarded. Now, of course. As a teenager and whatever, I mean, I just wanted to be a teenager. I wanted to dance and be with boys and kiss and do all that stuff. That I got from my girlfriends. I mean, you know, I got that from the culture. I got that from rock and roll and from the movies and stuff, from Annette Funicello (laughs) and Sandra D. You can go movies, yes. (laughs) But I want to be like that. It's become clear that pretty much what we 
90% of what we learn about how to be masculine or feminine, about sex, about kicking a partner, about relationship, all this stuff that no one really teaches us about consciously, 90% of what we learn happens between the age of zero and about definitely before school starts, before five, maybe even before three, before language even develops much. Little kids are absolutely curious. Their entire day is just spent observing, looking, soaking stuff up and learning it. And they're watching. They watch how mommy touches daddy. They watch how daddy's uh, subtle facial muscular, unconscious even little expressions move as things happen. They watch everything. They see. And who's the role model? When you're a little kid, mommy and daddy are the universe. You don't know that there's a big world out there, other families, other people. I mean, these are, this is God and goddess. If they love me, if they approve of me, I get fed and clothed and loved and cared for. If they don't love me, the fantasy of a little child is I'll get abandoned, I'll get killed, I won't be supported. So we learn how to please daddy, how to please mommy, how to be what they want us to be. And that's how we learn about what masculine and feminine energy is. Now, then you can grow up and undo some of that learning because, unfortunately, for most people listening, I would assume, our mothers and fathers, we loved them very much. They were wonderful, but they weren't perfectly healed, enlightened beings. So they were passing along their dysfunctionality. It's like the blind leading the blind. We pick up our family patterns and we imbibe them and learn them. The good thing is that as adults, we can go in and say, wait, I can change this program." This is what tantric education can be about greatly. About, let me pick up a better role model. How about Shiva and Shakti as my role model of masculine and feminine instead of mommy and daddy? Mommy and daddy might have been very loving, but now we can model our inner masculine and feminine and let it mature into something incredible, something 100% and beautiful. That's a lot of what tantric education can be about. Well, that's such an important point. That's so, I mean, I feel that Tantra saved my life, Michael. I, you know, I was on other, I was on a path of spirituality and I was on a path of transformation and growth, but I still had so much blockage. And I feel that when I found Tantra, I mean, and it really is simple. The practice of Tantra is three things. It's, it's movement, breathing, and sound. I mean, that's really all it is, movement, breathing, and sound in different ways. Movement, breathing, and sound, movement, breathing, and sound. That's how we show our energy, isn't it? That's how you can tell what somebody's energy is all about. Watch their movements, their breath, their sound, and maybe a little bit about their attention. Right. Well, I I mean, it just, it saved my life. I was able to deal with my very, very strong emotions. I was able to begin receiving and not, and let go of control lots of time. And I, I mean, literally, I'll just tell you something. I, this is a good one. I, I, I used to come into a room, and because I'm short, I used to come into a room and be loud so that I would get attention. And not only that, I, I'm sure I spewed my sexual energy out on people, you know, all over people to get attention. And then I learned Tantra, and I became quiet, and I would walk into a party and I would be quiet. I would just sit down. And I would get more attention. <laughs> and I didn't spew out my sexual energy. Like, I would just stay contained. I would sit down. It happened to me the first time it ever happened to me. I was in England. I sat down in a window seat 
at a party, a big, big party in London in 2001. And I just sat there, and pretty soon I had a crowd sitting around me. People wanted to know who I was, what I did, how they could learn from me, what was happening. I was, I, and I was anything but loud. And I, re- I had this but you were realization. You had, yeah. you had mistaken being loud or being sexually flirtatious for being truly powerful. And that can be a quiet but very radiant thing. People feel the radiance of feminine and the presence of masculine. Uh, what do we call it? Charisma. People are drawn to that. They want it. They want to right. be in that because they want to be that. It's like tuning forks. They want to come near you. Unconscious. I'm not saying they know this, but they're drawn to that kind of energy because they go, that's what I want. Yeah. So amazing. I mean, that was a huge, that was a huge eye opening for me in that year in 2001. I just went, oh, this is the opposite of my normal MO. I like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I just, now I do it all the time. I, I wouldn't think of going into a room loud. You know, it's just a whole different thing. Well, we're gonna, we're coming towards the end of the hour, and I, uh, I want to, I just want to thank you so much for coming on to my show today and explaining the underpinnings of this subject, which seems to so many people like a mystery, and it's such common sense. You know, the when you think about it, it, you know, when you see how Shiva lays it out here, you go, wow, that makes complete sense. That's a brilliant model. And we have to say what's really important is that he wasn't teaching this on some philosophical level. Even the name Vigyan, the word Gyan, people who study yoga, they know Bhakti yoga, Gyan yoga. Gyan means knowledge, intellectual knowledge. knowledge. Vigyan means experience, the opposite of knowledge, the other half. This is Tantra, uh, this is Shiva talking about 112 ways to directly experience hugeness, Tantra. Tantra means expansion. Let's see how big we really are. And the truth is, we find out we are Shiva and Shakti. We are enormous, divine, huge beings. And this is Shiva saying, here's the paths. Pick one. Pick a few. Try them out. Do it. Stop talking about it. So it's not intellectual. It's a very practical, concrete thing. Well, I want to give people a way to reach you. You can reach mm-hmm. Michael at tantra at cheerful.com. That's tantra at cheerful.com. Or you can call him directly for more information about what we've been talking about. You can call him at 561-350-3930. I'm going to say that again, 561-350-3930. That's Michael Dean Goodman. You can find out all about his classes and his Relationship Institute in Boca Raton, Florida, please go there and contact him. This is Laurie Handlers. I'm going to be signing off for Tantra Cafe. You can reach me at laurie at butterflyworkshops.com. I would love to hear from you. And I'm saying namaste from Tantra Cafe.